I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. So I think it's pretty obvious as we see the decline of our society when you have the left that supports aborting babies up until the moment of birth. Uh, they support castrating a young boy, giving a young girl a double mastectomy when, of course, they can't consent to this. They, they, they don't know what they want to be, who they want to be. I mean, kids have imaginary friends. And so we see this destruction of our, our country. I mean, I think it says everything about a nation and the way they treat children, the most vulnerable in their society. So it says a lot about where we are now. And I think it's no secret that that correlates with the loss of religion in the country as well. And that really is what the Democrat, the left's policies aim at. It's to, to devalue the things that have value in life, to deprive people of meaning, to uproot people, to, 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 de to deny them and deprive them of having anchors in their life. Because if you have an anchor, religion, family, these things that actually have meaning in life, you're not malleable. You're not easily persuaded. The government doesn't own you. You're a harder person to control. So for this episode, we're going to have David Limbaugh, who's a friend of mine, also my attorney. You also know him as a nationally syndicated columnist, a political commentator. He has written, I believe, 10 New York Times bestselling books. Uh, so we're going to talk about, you know, what's going on in this country with the loss of faith, the loss of religion, the destruction that the left is intentionally bringing uh, upon our nation. And we're going to talk about this new book that he wrote called The Resurrected Jesus. And it's really cool because he co-wrote it with his daughter, Kristen Limbaugh, Bloom, who I actually met way before I met David. She was an intern at Fox forever ago. And I just thought she was lovely. She was just the nicest person. And so we, you know, got to talking and became friends. 
And now she's doing great things in her life, like co-authoring this book with her dad, The Resurrected Jesus. So we're going to get into that and how all of it ties together, sort of the loss of religion, the destruction of the country, and why this book is so important to him and his daughter. We're also going to talk about his late brother, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, and and you know talk about what he misses the most about him and and things that people maybe don't know about him that they should. So that's what we're going to get in today. So stay tuned for David Limba. All right, uh, David, I- I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Full disclosure for everyone at home, David and I work together. Uh, he is my attorney, but there is nobody nobody better to work with. I'm I'm just so glad to to have you on my team. And honestly, like if I ever get canceled, I know that you'll have my back <laughs> because you <laughs> actually you. care about what's going on in this country, and and we share the same views on things. So I'm I'm very thankful to to have you as a friend uh, and my attorney. So I appreciate you joining the show. Thank you. It goes both ways. I appreciate that. I appreciate it, David. And I also, I got to know your daughter before I got to know you. And, and we'll talk about this awesome book that you guys wrote together uh, here in a little bit as well. But, you know, David, you and I often talk about, you know, we, we look at what's going on in the country. You, you look at, you know, inflation, soaring gas prices, the loss of liberty, open borders. It's all intentional from the left. It's with intention. It, it totally is. And it frustrates me when I see our colleagues, conservative commentators on Fox and other places, um, act as though this is just a matter of incompetence or so I even heard one of the people who I otherwise respect say, we we share the same goals as the left. We just go want to go about it different. That's so wrong. And if we don't understand how radically different their goals are from ours, they want a, a, a utopian or dystopian state. They want they actually want to usher in cultural and, and governmental Marxism. And they want the, the Green New Deal because they want to use the government uh, to destroy the domestic energy industry. And, and they want to ultimately leverage that into control of the population. They want to shut down speech selectively of, of conservatives because they want to control the narrative. They want to control all power. They pretend to be compassionate, but they don't care about anything except themselves. And their virtue signaling, I, I think their religion has is, is morphed into some kind of a virtue signaling green uh, energy thing. And, uh, but they, they have alienated us and polarized us and leveraged race. They are, they are d- dividing us on race. Race relations now are worse than when I, during the 60s when I grew up and it was so bad. Uh, and it's gotten better for so many years. And now they've reinstituted segregation. They, they're, they're, uh, trying to destroy the economy. This inflation, they act like uh, they don't know what they're doing. They know they're flooding the economy with money that we don't have, uh, too too much money chasing too few goods. This isn't a mystery. This isn't something they can't figure out. They know, but they're ide- ideologically wedded to continuing to spend this money. And you could even argue that, that they're doing that on purpose, like the cloud pivot thing, where they're trying to bankrupt this and then pick up the pieces, reintroducing their order. But it doesn't even have to be Clyde Piven. They are trying to uh, spend us into oblivion because they want to transfer wealth from the people they can't stand, the people that are successful, except maybe the digital oligarchs, the people on their side, and, and just completely reorient society. But look, Lisa, beyond that, look at them 
glorifying evil, the murder of babies. It's not just like it used to be safe, legal, and rare, which was always a lie. It is glorifying the murder of babies and demonizing those who champion life and biblical values. It is glorifying those who would mutilate young children in contravention of God's created order that he created uh, people in men and women. Men and women, he created them, gender specific. He didn't create man and woman to narcissistically identify as whoever they wanted to identify. And so they're, they're creating moral and intellectual chaos, the open borders. They're denying that they've deliberately opened the borders, and we see it right in front of our eyes. Uh, there are at least 10 existential threats to the United States that they are exacerbating and accelerating, including China, who is building, buying land, building military. We're downsizing our military and turning it into a woke laboratory, emasculating it. I, 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 I can't go on enough about how they are trying to destroy the country. But I think, Lisa, and I'll, I'll, I'll end this meandering soliloquy with this. I don't think if the country dies, it will be a result of the left. I think it will be a result of naive people on the right who are cowardly or, or naive or, or not, are, are uh, unwitting opponents and who don't realize what we're up against and therefore don't fight like our survival depends on it. I really do think it comes down to cowardice. If I'm being honest, I think we have too many people who are cowards. They want to be accepted by society, even though we we look at society and we should be looking at it with disdain. As you pointed out, we live in a society that embraces the murder of innocent babies, uh, embraces the idea of castrating a young boy or, or you know, giving a, a young girl double mastectomy. So I can't for the life of me understand why anyone would want to be accepted by that. And, and no, and it's pleasing man instead of pleasing God. And I have to believe this is spiritual warfare because there is no logical explanation for anyone defending this stuff with a straight face. And yet our kids have been indoctrinated. All of the major institutions are controlled by the left uh, from education, K through 12, and then, then the, the universities. And then they own Hollywood, as we know. They own the digital uh, conglomerates and, and, and the major media. And so it's, it's an unreality. It's a twilight zone on steroids. And you try to approach, I was thinking about this. Name me a Democrat that you know, even in your personal life, who will vote against what these people are doing, even though you would think of these individual Democrats as not being radical, yet they all enable and support. That's what discourages me. I've got good friends who, who don't, don't, either they don't realize it or they think that we are so evil that the Trump movement is so evil that they, they would, there's not anything that the left would do that they won't condone. That's what's horrifying. I can't imagine a thing they will do that, that, that they will oppose. And you can approach them and explain these things to them, and they have some bizarre explanation or rationalization how they're really not doing, that borders really aren't open. And, and I, I, I don't think there's any relating to these people. So as crazy as I sound, I think it's demonic in the end because I think they're under some kind of a bizarre spell and wedded to their ideology and pawns to some kind of evil force. Now, I'm not like the left saying all conservatives are evil or all Trump. I'm saying the, the forces behind it are evil. I think most of them are unwitting dupes, but the mainstream media, the Democratic politicians and all of them, they know what they're doing. And so uh, 
but it's a complex thing. And I, and I think this un, unwillingness to recognize evil for what it is, it is as to reiterate the point we made before, it's what's really going to cause our downfall if we don't wake up and if we don't have the guts to stand up against it. No, I, I really agree with that. And, and if we don't turn it around, what really can, I mean, we saw a president stand up in a, a national primetime address and, and label 75 million Americans as enemy of the state with the military flanked behind him. And then what concerns me about that, this othering of us, of us conservatives, but we've already seen sort of the dehumanization of just humans happen as a society, right? We, we call babies a, a clump of cells. We are treating children with such disdain in the treatment of them. So it's, it's, we already have this society where we don't really view human life no. as, this, as this sacred thing. And then on top of it, you have a president then dehumanizing on top of that 75 million Americans. And then we see this you know, young boy, the 18-year-old who is... Uh, you know, driven down in a car. The 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 guy killed him with his car. You you had the um, pro life woman who was going to door to door, shot in her arm. And so I I just I wonder with all of that in the backdrop, where this goes. Well, you, you know, and that's a point, a category of existential threat I didn't mention in my litany a minute ago: the disintegration of law and order, the deliberate disintegration of law and order, so that you you have glorified the victims. I mean, uh, the perpetrators of crime and demonize the victims of crime, refuse to prosecute, change the bail laws to let people out, change the, the laws on prosecution. You have chaos in the streets of the major cities. People are getting slaughtered. The, the, the subways aren't safe. Old women and young women are being attacked by men. And there's no condemnation from the left and the, the media doesn't talk about it. And so uh, you mentioned a minute ago, that, that there's a diminution of respect for life. That's what I mean by this being spiritual. God is about life. The left is about death. In every respect, it's a movement of death. Even if you want to talk about the environmental movement, they have no respect for human life. They put plant life uh, in an elevated position to human life. Some of these wacko people think the world would be better off without any human beings so that the world could survive uh, in its inanimate form, and we and, and human beings are extinguished. This is how psycho these people are. And, and I don't know why we don't call it for what it is. What we're seeing on the news every day is beyond belief. I can't even believe we're debating it. It's so abjectly wrong, objectively wrong. There is no, there is no re rational debate for much of what is going on, and yet the left uh, supports it and condones it, and everybody that follows the left i.e. the Democratic Party, the media, and all of them support it. So I, I, am, I am beyond uh, frustrated, beyond concerned of what could happen. I don't, see, I don't see how we get out of this short of a, of a spiritual revival. And, and I, I'm not kidding you because I don't see uh, any indication that this is stopping. We went above $31 trillion in our national debt, and even the Republican Party doesn't say anything about that. I mean, we're... we're condoning spending at an obscene level every day. And, and I don't see the Republicans doing much about it either. Do you? I, I don't. And again, it just gets to this this issue of cowardice of just the fact that I, I just, you know, I see it in the media. I see it in politicians of people just not willing to speak out when they see what's wrong or they wait until it's safe and the damage is already done. And at that point, 
oh, now maybe, you know, mass vaccinations are, are bad or, oh, now lockdowns are bad. But you all waited until the damage was done, you know, and, and, and so that doesn't really do anything. <laughs> and 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 you've always been a, a, an advocate or, or an activist about these vaccines and you you've been a herald out there. And right now, the, the left, even though it's known that these vaccines have caused all kinds of trouble. And at the very least, we know they don't prevent the spread of the disease. And yet you're still getting people kicked out of the military or prevented from coming and playing sports in the United States because there's a, a vaccination rule. And we know it's absurd. And is there some bureaucratic inertia that prevents us from changing these things on the spot? And, 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 and look at the military, which is now inhabited by all the leftists and, and uh, who, who, who implement these woke policies, who are, are discouraging people by their policies from entering the military. I don't know. It's, it's, I have never seen a, a, a more overt case of national suicide in my life. We all knew we were on a slow march to national suicide uh, for the last probably 50 years. But now we're on an accelerated path. And I, I just cannot believe uh, how difficult this is going to be to turn around. I still remain optimistic, though, that we can turn it around because I have to be optimistic. I can't afford to believe otherwise. I'm not going to give up on the United States. You know, and, and I have hope, too, David. I, I do believe that Republicans will pick up the House, the Senate and some gubernatorial races. Now, you know, again, are Republicans going to deliver on all the things we want them to? Probably not, but I, I think it can hold them off for a little bit until hopefully we get a strong president in there and then, you know, further turn things around. But I haven't given up hope either. Yeah, and, and, and we can't. And, but, but we do have to wake people up. People on Fox, I, I, people I really like, I, I heard somebody the other day suggesting that, and, and somewhat facetiously but not, suggesting that Trump and Obama could go negotiate this deal with North Korea and that's something we can agree on. No, if you think that Obama and Trump share any kind of uh, views as to foreign policy that are reconcilable, then you don't get it. You do not get the left and you don't get Obama, who was a leftist. And he he would have been even more extreme if he could have gotten away with it. And he's probably one of the main principles running this leftward, leftward surge right now. I don't understand why people on our side do not get it. Even people you think would get it. Well, I think for me, COVID really illuminated who gets it and who doesn't personally. Uh, a lot of people I previously respected, I lost respect for. And then people I didn't maybe necessarily, you know, look up to that degree to to that degree really prove it, prove themselves to be uh, under, you know, just getting it right and, and being strong voices on things. Quick commercial break back with David Limba. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. You know, we're really talking about this good versus evil that's happening in society. And I know that you're someone that, you know, you, you previously had doubts about your faith. Why, why did you and, and what turned it around for you? Well, I, uh, I always believed in God because I can't imagine that how anybody could think that this that the uh, world could come into existence without a primary uncaused cause. That even makes sense to me. Uh, and so they come up with bizarre things like the multiverse or aliens drop us here. Well, who created the aliens? I mean, it's just too absurd to contemplate. But I didn't necessarily subscribe to the Bible or to the divinity of Jesus Christ. But I wasn't a rebel in that sense. I always thought I wanted to, I knew who the, the t- good team was, the good guys. In the, I knew what the right team was. I wanted to be on, I wanted to be a believing Christian, but I, had these doubts that so many have. Why would an all-loving God allow uh, human beings to go to everlasting punishment, that kind of thing? And so I had those doubts, and I, I didn't know whether to believe the Bible. The real th- reason I didn't, I think, is because I never gave it a real chance, despite growing up in a Christian family and church and all that. And so I started examining the evidence and reading the Bible. And I came away with the, the idea that there's overwhelming proof for tr- Christianity's truth claims. It is not as the left or as the uh, pagan secularists would, would assume and would claim a blind faith that we have. This faith is based on real evidence uh, uh, that Jesus Christ was here, that he was resurrected bodily, and uh, that uh, uh, 500 witnesses saw him. And, and these witnesses uh, and these disciples told these stories at the risk of their own death. Uh, you, you might have Muslims or other uh, religious adherents, relig- adherents of other faiths 
willing to die for a cause that that may or may not be true. But the, in the case of the Christians, there's a distinct difference. The early Christians, the disciples, they died. They were martyrs for a cause they would not have. They would have not not have died for something they knew to be false. They were testifying to something they witnessed: the resurrection of Christ and His miracles. They saw these happen, and they were willing to suffer unbelievable abuse. They would never have done that if they thought it was a lie. They had nothing to gain. And so these, there's compelling evidences, including the supernatural uh, prophecies in the Old Testament uh, and, and all the way through the Bible. And I could go on and on. So after I studied all the evidence, I became convinced that it was true, I, that, that the Bible was the word of God. And when I came to that realization, it blew me away. I'm holding the, a book that was actually written through human authors by God. And so I became a, an ardent student of it. And, and since then, you know, 30 years later, I started writing books about it after teaching Sunday school and all that, because I want to be able to reach people that the pastor and theologian may not be able to reach, people who are situated the way I was before, people who can relate to a lay explanation of these things and inspire people to read the Bible and to practice the spiritual disciplines and, and draw closer to God. That, that's my real motive in writing these Christian books. How much do you think, as we had previously discussed, the decline of the country correlates with the decline of religion? Um, an incredible amount, probably about uh, 100%. I, I, I find that we have gotten away from biblical values, and it's a direct correlation. You see right now, for example, in our society, you see the parading of transvestites are drag queens in front of children. We see the promotion of pedophilia. We see now the, the advocacy of uh, this new polyamory, polyamorous relationship where you got, let's say, two men and, and one woman in a relationship. These are abhorrent moral developments, objectively evil things in my view. And yet we are on such a slippery path of moral relativism that anything goes now. Anything goes for the left except for political conservatism and biblical traditional Christian values. That is what is shunned. That's how you know these people are, they will support anything, including Muslims being mean to homosexuals, as long as it's not Christians. And so the common denominator is they oppose the Judeo-Christian ethic, the Judeo-Christian worldview. And anything else, anything else is fine. And so right now, the disintegration of these moral values has resulted in an abandonment of our Constitution because the Constitution is built on those values. And for example, I'll give you an example. <laughs> you know, they, they, the, the, the framers said the Constitution is made only for moral and religious people. And I think what they ultimately meant by that was if you, if you treat the Constitution as if it doesn't say what it means, then it doesn't mean anything, and then it disintegrates. And that's what judicial activism, leftist judicial activism is. If you say the separation of powers doesn't really mean anything, if you say that uh, you can rewrite the Constitution uh, to say that uh, it requires abortion be allowed when there's nowhere in the world in the Constitution, there's penumbras or emanations, and they just make this up from whole cloth, then you no longer have any meaning and you have no order to your lives. You, when when the, the left says that you can identify as a plant or as a man or as a woman, 
They are going directly against God's created order, which is to have created man, uh, created human beings as men and women, not as those, uh, not as creatures who could identify who as whoever they wanted to. So throughout the entire spectrum of our cultural and political life, you see an attack and an undermining of Christian principles. And you also see it within the church. The, the church is, is breaking down because it doesn't stand for the gospel anymore. I mean, some churches do, many churches don't. What they really stand for, they claim that Jesus was just a nice guy that didn't care. He was tolerant about sin. Well, read the Sermon on the Mount sometime. He had less tolerance for sin even than the God of the Old Testament. It is the same God, by the way, but just different revelations and, and new revelations in the New Testament. Jesus expanded on the, the, the moral teachings, and, and they actually were held to a higher standard in, under the Christian ethic, even though it's not a matter of following rules. It's a matter of love and obedience to the triune God of the universe. But you read this, the, the uh, standard that we are held to in the Sermon on the Mount, and, and, and tell me that Jesus is indifferent. He was not indifferent to the idea of God's created order or, or uh, the way that the, the left has redefined sex and gender. He, he was strong about all these things. And there's no difference between the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament. Same God, God doesn't change, God doesn't lie. <clears throat> and so uh, I, I find that people want to rewrite the Bible, rewrite uh, doctrine, just like they did right at the beginning after Paul planted all these churches in the Mediterranean basin. And they introduced false doctrine to say salvation was not by faith in Christ alone, but by faith plus works, faith plus circumcision, faith plus adherence to ritual rites, or that Jesus wasn't fully human and fully divine. He couldn't have been fully human because human because material uh, existence is evil. So the the his death on the cross was an illusion. No, it was real. Christ became a human being. He condescended the human form to suffer the indignities of human existence so that he could die in our place and be bodily resurrected so that those with faith in him could then also be bodily resurrected and live with him and the triune God in eternity. These people want to break down all of those rules and they want to claim and all those realities and claim that uh, Christianity doesn't stand for that. Every there's millions of ways to God, and it doesn't matter what way you choose. Christ said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father except through me." He didn't say you can do it through transcendental meditation, Buddhism, Islam, or any of the others. And we're not being, we're not suggesting that we be intolerant to other people or disrespectful. We are saying if 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 truth is that if Jesus is the truth, which he said he was and he says he's the only way, then we're not judging people. We're saying that's what we believe, and we're doing you a favor by telling you that's what we believe, and that's, that's what we think the evidence points to, that it's the truth. So we're doing you an eternal disservice if for the sake of trying to please man instead of God, we tell you, oh, no, you, you can believe whatever you want. Well, I, mean, we, I mean, you can believe whatever you want, but it doesn't matter what you believe because God is a God of love and it doesn't matter. No, yes, God is a God of love, but he deals with sin and he's a perfectly just God. And if we, if we tell people that they can believe whatever they want, it doesn't matter, uh, then, then we, we're not really doing them any favors. And that's what we're seeing throughout, throughout our uh, right. society today. No, I mean, that makes uh, complete sense. 
You know, David, you've written seven New York bestselling books now, I think. It might be more than that. But what makes your latest book special, The Resurrected Jesus, is you wrote it with your daughter, Kristen Limbaugh-Bloom, who I met a long time ago when she was interning at Fox. Now she's doing... yeah. Uh, big things. She's such a lovely person. A love, you know. I, I know you love your daughter very, very much. But you raised an, an awesome uh, daughter who's now a mother, and, and you're a grandfather. But talk a little bit about this book, The Resurrected Jesus, and how special that had to have been to work with your daughter on this, who I know you love so much. This is the eleventh book I've written, and, and all the first ten were New York Times bestsellers. This one was on the public, the, what do you call it, Publishers Weekly list, number ten, the first week. And, and so objectively, it should have been on the New York Times, but they have some bizarre thing. I don't care. It's, it's just, I wish it could have got on for Kristen's sake. But five of the books have been Christian and the others have been political. This book is special because, as you say, I wrote it with Kristen. And it was a collaborative effort where we, it, we go through seven of Paul's epistles uh, and to the churches and to uh, his colleagues, Timothy and Titus. We go through chapter and verse of the Bible and we either state the verse or paraphrase it. And then we add commentary and insights from the early church fathers and commentators all throughout church history. But we've added an additional element that I didn't have in my first four Christian books, which is prayer. Kristen is a prayer warrior, spirit-filled person who who really gets the heart part of Christianity. I'm more of the head side of it, and I study all the time. But she is a person who who believes it. I mean, I believe it. As much, I don't mean to suggest my belief is any less, but she has such a connection with God and with Christ and the Holy Spirit, and she has a facility for prayer. So I wanted to add these prayers because it will help readers interact with the content of the Bible and with the, the content of the, the book, which is about the Bible. And so every three or four pages, we have prayers that are directly related to it. And Kristen mostly authored those prayers. And uh, in addition to helping on the rest of the book. And I just very, I, I'm very gratified with, with how this has gone. She's written op-eds for Fox on Christian themes. And I wanted to give her a jump start in the book writing world because so many people opened doors for me, Rush and Sean Hannity and others, without whom I probably never would have had those doors open. So I, I, want, I try to help other people in that same way, and especially my daughter, and so she's just risen to the occasion. I feel really good about the final product. Um, and I think I, I humbly hope it, it helps people if they read it, draw closer to God and uh, inspires them to read the Bible more and to pray more. Well, and you can really see that light in your daughter because she truly is just a special person. She's just a lovely woman. Um, so you, you can see that in her. She's just a, a beautiful person. Uh, and I've really enjoyed getting to know her. Quick break. More with David. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi on a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. You know, you you mentioned your brother... It's been over a year since his passing. What do you miss the most about your brother, Rush? Uh, his presence in my life. I We probably texted back and forth 25 times a day. And so I would share with him so many things every day. And a lot of these are just mundane things. And so I, I guess I could say he was my best friend, in, in the, even though we didn't talk on the phone much because he had and that hearing problem that everyone knew about. So we always would text. And so many times still, less than it used to be, but still I have these thoughts every day. I got to share this with Rush. And then and then the microsecond later, I realize that he's not here and I can't share it. So that's a, you know, that's a loss. And the whole thing is a, a void in my life. And it, it kind of set me for a, uh, on a, on a tailspin there for a while. I think I actually was depressed, you know, not clinically depressed like people have from chemicals, chemical uh, imbalances, but just situationally depressed. When you go through grief, I guess that leads to depression. I snapped out of it, but it, it, it is tough. And, um, and, you know, it's tough losing your parents. But when you lose a sibling, I mean, you're, you're in the foxhole together from the time you're born. I knew Rush since I was born my whole life, obviously. He's two years older. And then he died almost a year and a half ago. And so that 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 can never be replaced, and it's um, tough. And and but but the the good thing about it is that what I learned is I knew how talented obviously he was from the very beginning, from the time we were kids. So gifted as a broadcaster, and and he did it. He broadcast uh, TV and radio shows when he he was seven years old, simulating broadcasts in our house. But we we all knew, and, and everybody felt their own views. Conservatives felt their views validated when Rush got his national audience. Boy, somebody's out there giving voice to things I believe, but I never hear in the media. And so, and, and, and Rush was universally recognized as a unique talent. And even the people that hated him 
gave him that credit. But so I knew that in spades. But what I didn't realize was the extent to which there was an intimate bond with his audience where they actually considered him to be family members. I bet a family member, I bet I've received, no exaggeration, uh, 10,000 communications, whether on Twitter's, uh, Twitter or email, personal letter, phone calls, Facebook. People say he's the best friend they never met, that they feel wounded and, and grieving every day still. I mean, you could look at my Twitter mentions. You can't believe it. It is overwhelmingly heartening. And so to me, that is uplifting to me that that he meant so much to them. And it, it connects all of this because Rush stood for the values that you and I are talking about today. And he stood against the left and he was the tip of the spear. He was the guy that took all of the backlash from the uh, media matters and the other hateful liberals, the, the gay activists initially who were hell bent on destroying him. And he stood there alone really and took all the arrows so that those of us in his wake would be better situated and, and empowered to stand up against them too. But I, I, people have no idea. I guarantee you people have no idea, but I was there uh, behind the scenes with him the whole time, trying to support him throughout. And he was tough. And I, I, if I were in his place, I, I don't know that I could have withstood all the arrows that he took. And so I'm proud of him. I will always be proud of him. Did that come from your parents? Because you guys are both like that in terms of, you know, standing up for your beliefs and, and being able to stand strong in the face of that opposition. Did that did that come from your parents or, or why do you think both of you guys kind of had those values instilled in you so strongly? Uh, my dad was a conservative's conservative. He was a Goldwater conservative in the 60s. was against Nixon for, and for Goldwater back when Goldwater was, you know, the quintessential conservative. And, uh, yeah, and he was very sharp. My dad was gifted, especially when it came to, to law and politics. He was a lawyer like everybody in my family. And uh, it, it's like my dad used to hold court. You know, a lot of kids in high school they go, they go out and go out and party and all that and go out with girls. And we all did. But one of the favorite pastimes of Russia's friends and my friends was to come to our house and listen to my dad hold court in our living room. And he'd just start doing his monologues. And so when I see what Rush, Rush did, it was like he's my dad writ large. And now with a he had a national audience to, do, to pontificate like my dad did in our front room. And, and it's a shame my dad never had that kind of audience. But on the other hand, it wouldn't have worked with my dad because he didn't have a sense of humor when it came to politics. My mom was hilarious and cra just a just a class clown, funny. And so Rush got the best of both worlds. I'm a, I'm a class clown, too. I'm just not when it comes to politics. I'm too serious. You can tell me. So I, I could never, even if I had Rush's talent, I couldn't do his show because I'm always mad at what the left is doing. I'm so outraged. I'm perpetually outraged by what they're doing. Not that Rush wasn't, but he had a way of, a unique way of lampooning him, which made him that much madder. And he used to laugh at me. David, you're, you're like Rush. We call my dad Rush, not him. We didn't call, I didn't, well, I later called him Rush, but he, he wasn't Rush growing up. He was Rusty. So we always joked about my dad after he died. Well, Rush did this and that. And, and Rush was, he said, you're like Rush. You got to lighten up. And I can't, I'm just, I can't, when it comes to politics, it's so hard for me to lighten up. Rush had that gift where, where he could, he, he's just as outraged as I am, but he, but he could make fun of them and make everybody laugh and happy. And, 
and still without without uh, diminishing the seriousness of the issues at hand. So that was another gift that that um, I envy, but but I realize I don't have it. Well, and also a fierce independence to be able to stand strong when you're you're taking so much incoming. Oh, unbelievable! And you know there are times as his lawyer that. I was really worried that they would finally be able to cancel him. And uh, there were times when I would try to talk him into backing off in certain issues where he literally could not win and they might have been able to destroy him. And there were probably only two of those in the history of our relationship where I was actually trying, not, not as a matter of cowardice, but as a matter of pragmatism to fight another day because I, they, they, these people are vicious. And they distort what you say. And we saw it throughout the Trump era, too. And, uh, but he had such good instincts. And um, he, but, so he would hear me out. And I never wanted him to back down. But sometimes I was worried that they would finally be able to get him. But he had an antenna. He, he kind of had, it was uncanny. Unlike so many hosts, he knew how far he could go. Only a few times did he really get in trouble. And even there, that, those things were distorted mostly. So um, it, it was a fascinating thing to watch because he put his whole career on the line. He could have lost. He was making millions and millions a year. He could have been he could have that could have all been taken away from him. But he believed so strongly in what he was doing. And this wasn't a matter of personal pride. Honestly, it was a matter of him believing so fiercely in what he what he was advocating that he didn't. He wasn't going to be shut down. He wasn't going to allow them to to censor him. Uh, and. You know, that, that, that's I don't know if people have talked about that as much when they talk about him, but it, it is uh, so admirable. And I, I think some and he, it's a different thing if somebody does it on a local show because they're not a big enough fish to go after. Rush was the big fish. And so he every time he did something like that, he, he was risking his career and he, it didn't matter. He was undaunted and he kept going. And the result was the most successful show in the history of radio uh, broadcasting, and he created a new genre, conservative talk, from which thousands uh, of people have benefited. You know, you, me, everybody who's out there commenting, there wasn't this industry before. There was a very small padre of people, you know, the McLaughlin Group, Bill Buckley, those people, when I was growing up, you weren't even born yet, probably. And, and there, and, but, but now, look at how many of us there are, and that's pretty encouraging. I just wish... Uh, there would be less ego on, on, on so many of us on our side and people trying to, to, up, to uh, you know, compete with each other. We need, to, we need to stand together and fight this left, which always seems to be united. Well, f- feel free to send me a text if I ever do. Knock me down a bit. <laughs> or actually, my parents... No, no, are... I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about you. <laughs> my, pa- worried about my, you. my parents are there for that. They're the ones that... <laughs> They, the second anything got no, but, out of hand, they would fierce. shut me down. <laughs> yeah, but you're fierce too, and very. It's very admirable that that, and, and you've you've been. I know you. People have tried to shut you down and get you to to stand down from your beliefs, and you have refused to do it. And uh, that is just so admirable. I can't tell you. Well, I'm thankful to have you by my side. Um, you're a friend, my lawyer, and the co-author with your daughter of the resurrected Jesus. I hope it continues to be a massive success. You're an amazing guy. You've raised an amazing daughter 
And well, you've raised five kids, but I've only met one, so I can <laughs> I can only speak to Kristen. But <laughs> but I'm sure the rest are great. The book's just out everywhere. People can get it on you know Amazon or bookstore or, or, or wherever else. Uh, yeah, David Limba, thanks so much for joining. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Thank you, Lisa. David Limbaugh. I appreciate you guys for listening to the show every Monday, every Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. I want to thank Drew Steele for stepping in for John and and putting this podcast together. And of course, for you guys for listening, feel free to leave us a review, rate us five stars on Apple. I read those. I I love hearing what you guys have to think or or reach out to me on social media as well. I'm at Lisa Marie Booth on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, Take care until next time. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play are you on the hunt for a new home this spring but don't know where to start fisher homes is your solution your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space start your journey by selecting your ideal home site like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans bring it all together at our lifestyle design center let fisher homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com